welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. Welcome into the Yak Sports Podcast. I'm Leela McRae, Joe Deck with me. Obviously, we're going to talk a ton about the state finals for both Riverhead and Stewart's Draft. But later, we will get to an interview with Michael Phillips of the Richmond Times-Dispatch to talk Washington football team and how they did with the draft and the league as a whole. But, Joe, let's just dive in to the high school football action. It was state championship Saturday, a very nice one. Uh, And as you would expect in May, you know, when you're expecting state finals to be played in May. Uh, We were at Riverheads, and we had a fun game to call. And Riverheads both games were higher higher point totals than we thought they were going to be but the game we were at we thought riverheads favored probably could win if there was a team that was going to pull away from the other it was going to be riverheads but i don't think either of us saw 65 points coming uh if you would have told me galak scored 29 points i'd have said yeah that's going to be a tight game riverheads just went off they've scored the most points they've scored in a state championship game uh i believe playoff game as well and it was just offense everywhere. Yeah, if you would have told me Galax scores 29, I would have said, hmm, might be looking at the streak being broken here because I, yeah, I would have yeah, thought 29 would have been game, enough yeah. to win. So, and, yeah. and I think that's credit to Riverhead's offense and the kind of output they were able to have in that game. A lot of it coming surprisingly through the air. Uh, Bennett Dunlap, three for three, three touchdowns. Can't get more efficient and better than that. Uh, so he had a great game. A lot of them on play actions. I think there was one that wasn't play action, and he rolled out, and his guy was still – it was the 18-yard pass. Um, he was open in the end zone. So Roberts, yeah. Uh, for, for Riverheads, I thought the offense played well. Uh, defensively, the weakness that I thought they had was the one that showed up. Yeah. It, was, it was in the air. But for whatever reason, um, bidding – I, they threw the ball 43 times, and I'm looking at that, and I'm like, oh, God, did they go to the air enough? Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think the problem was they didn't complete enough of them. Some of them were drops. Some of them were broken up. Um, you know, there was one stand out to me. There yeah, was like, one crucial pick in the end zone that I think yeah, really killed yeah. them. If, if they don't have that That's interception, swing. yep, if they don't have that interception and they get the touchdown there, I think at that point in the game, it it would it would have been very close still, and would have been interesting to see how Galax could have done. But after that pick, Galax go to, or Riverheads goes down the field in short order, scores a touchdown, and it just kind of felt like at that moment, like uh oh, for Galax. Yeah. Um, so I think I think Riverheads is better than Galax, and yeah, by enough. I I think the score. I, mean, I think them giving up 65 kind of inflated that just a touch. And I think that was just the way the game played. I, I, I think if those two teams play again, it's not as wide a margin. Um, we mm-hmm. probably see both teams score a little bit less and we probably see um, it, it tighter, but I, I do think Riverheads is substantially better. Like they are a better team. Uh, I think they beat them again if they play, but uh, yeah, I think, I think I said it in the post game. And I said it today. I, I think Galax is a little bit closer to Riverheads than than thirty six points. Uh, you know, I do. I, I, I think that's. A, and I think Coach Castro said as much in the post game interview with Adam. He, you know, he gave a lot of credit to Galax as a team, um, and a heck of a lot of credit to uh, the quarterback Cole Pickett, which I did throughout the game because I was very impressed. He's one of the better quarterbacks I've called a game for. I'm not saying the best, but one of the better. 
uh, for certain, and especially against Riverheads. I, I can't think of one um, better. And so, I, you know, they didn't lose because of Cole Pickett. He did everything he can. He got the ball out of there. He gave them opportunities they wouldn't have had without him playing so well. That eight-yard completion <laughs> to the near side of the field might have been the play of the game because if he's sacked back there, you're closing up shop right then. And that gave him kind of a new life on that on that drive. And, um, you know, it just still didn't work out from there. But I just still, that was, was such an impressive play. Um, yeah, without having the play-by-play in front of me. Yeah, without having the play-by-play in front of me, I think, ironically, that's the drive they ended up throwing an interception in the end zone on. But, um, okay. well, okay. but. But I hear you. No, I was. I thought it was the best pass too because in the moment when the ball gets snapped and it gets past him, I I know you're pro Riverheads. I'm glad Riverheads won. I was rooting for a close game, and so like for me, when I see the ball trickling past his feet, I'm like, ah, damn it. And but he picks (laughs) it up and he throws it off his back foot to a receiver for an eight yard gain, and I was just like, wow. Uh, and, And you know, Coach Castro mentioned it in the post game. You and I both talked about it in game. Cole Pickett's a really great quarterback, and we saw that. We knew that coming in because I think yeah. last year at Salem, I would have loved to have seen that game if he wasn't throwing into the wind, and that was the only time they were throwing because I think that Galax could have, you know, maybe won that game last year. I agree with something you said earlier on Galax isn't, you know, 34 points worse than Riverheads. Um, I think or 36 or whatever it is. Um, yeah. But they, um, I think if they play again, I think if you play this game 10 times, Riverheads probably wins nine. I think yeah. the majority of the games are within two scores, probably. Um, I'd say this is definitely an outlier. Uh, I don't think Riverheads wins by this much every time they play. I don't think it's most of the times no. they play. I and, think and literally what I think what killed Galax was the interception and then just not being prepared for Riverheads to throw the ball. And it's it's that simple. Each time Riverheads went to throw the ball, Kid was wide open with nobody near him. So And what was awesome about that is that it just it really read that Riverheads was at least a step ahead mm-hmm. of Galax in the game plan and and maybe two steps ahead. Like they think we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this, and it, it might even even a step further than that. Like we were really ready for what they're going to throw at us. We know what they're going to do. And which surprises me to a, a degree with Galax, because a lot of these coaches are the same. Co- I know it's not coach Dixon, but a lot of these other guys are around and Riverheads kind of came out and exploded for the win at Galax in a state semifinal in 2016. Mm-hmm. And it was with a pass. It was two passes to Ridge Stokes down the middle of the field, same kind of dump, dump pass and him getting away, getting behind everybody. Um, that, that got them there. So I'm surprised that wasn't in their minds a little bit more. And I, you know, I can't just put it on the coach that he didn't have a pair. Maybe they talked about it this week and the, and the kids didn't execute, but either way, it looked like they were lost multiple times on that, you know, right over the middle pass play. So I, I think coaching stood out. And in this series between these two teams and the previous games, I think coaching stood out in those as well. And it was much more of the chess match and the the what one coach did and what the other coach did to respond and how this coach came ready. But I don't I didn't look at this one as much as a chess match is that just Castro was more prepared this time. And, and then they executed better. Some version of that preparedness was in Riverhead's favor. And that that by far was the difference. And I think you saw 34 that four points in the second quarter. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think you saw that in the first touchdown, um, because yeah. I don't know if you remember this. I do. 
Riverhead calls a timeout. And I'm thinking, yep. wow, a timeout in the first quarter. Um, yikes. And then coming we, out we of it is the 72-yard pass play. <laughs> yeah, now we know why they call a timeout. Coach Castro <laughs> saw something. He saw the safeties not being there. And Leitner ran right down the middle of the field, like you said. He was wide open. He caught it. Gone. Touchdown. Um, and so... I think the next touchdown was on a kickoff return for Riverheads, and then it was another passing touchdown. So for for Riverheads, for Riverheads, I think it was uh, I think it was just being as you touched on, just ready to pull out the passing game when it was needed. And Galax, to their credit, came in and said, "Look, the run's not going to beat us." Now, I think the run would have because they still had 357 yards. So. Uh, and a lot of that was Caden Cook Cash still shredding defenses uh, with his run game to the outside this time and not up the middle as much like it was against West Point. This He was able to get to a corner and, and outrun the Galax defense. So He can stay on his feet so well. I mean, mm-hmm. he can, I mean he's, he's hard to he's bring down. Kid. He's a big kid, yeah. Yeah, and he just keeps his feet. But also, I mean, we, we – we blow past Zach Smiley a little bit just because he doesn't have a touchdown. We'll say, he still had 121 yards. That's the guy Galax came into this game knowing they needed to stop, that we can't let Gala- let uh, Zach Smiley beat us. He still had 121 mm-hmm. yards. And and looking back at that game, I mean, there was a little bit down the stretch, but uh, you know he had close to 100 yards in very meaningful time there. So he, he did that with the target on his back. But I think it only goes to further show the balance of this Riverheads offense you have 59 of the 65 points scored were by underclassmen, by guys that are going to be back next year. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy, like how how much offense that they had in this game particular uh, that is going to be back next year. And, and when you look at the season, they, they scored 68 points this season, 68 touchdowns this season, and 27 of them were by seniors. So that means 60 percent of their touchdowns scored on the season are going to be back next year so this wasn't this wasn't the peak of their little talent here they, you know they they have a lot still coming through and even when you look at some of those guys even some of those guys are freshmen and sophomore you know it's not all juniors sitting behind them so it it's a lot to look forward to and i, and I think i'm skipping ahead on how we want to do that but it's it's just amazing like I think at one point I gave, I put it on Caden Cook cash. Like the, he is the future, but he's also the now, I mean, that can go for so many of those kids on that team. You know, like they're here now they're here later. And, and, and they played well in this game and the, and the lights weren't too bright for any of them. They, they all came ready to play. And I, I'll tell you what, Caden Cook cash looks like a veteran back there, you know, picking up the kickoff, not freaking out. You know, it, it didn't go well up until the point he picked it up. Uh, but then as coach Castro was quoted, you know, that's how we planned it, which, you know, is a smart, but answer to that, uh, that kickoff return, but he, he does pick it up and he doesn't freak out and he gets behind his wall. He goes to where his blockers are and, and, and he trusts, he didn't just run straight back or fall down on the ball. He picks it up like a veteran. And then his touchdown run later in the game was another veteran, veteran run, just watching his blockers using it and then keeping his feet and getting to the outside is just, he's so good for such a young age. And I keep comparing him to Zach Smiley, and that's not a that's not a bad thing. I like Zach Smiley was great as a freshman, and then he kept getting bigger and bigger, like he has. I kind of expect to see Cook Cash do the same thing. He's going to get some more size to him and, and be even even deadlier than he is now, which is scary for every team on Riverhead's dis, uh, schedule for the next three years. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think the other problem that this these teams in the area are going to have. You and I touched on it 
a little bit there in the post game while we were waiting for Coach Casto. And I'm sure anybody listening that wasn't a Riverheads fan but was wanting to hear the interview with Coach Casto was grumbling. Um, I just don't. Yeah. Well, I just time. don't they see just anyone in Class One stopping this team. And I don't know if I see anyone in the Shenandoah District stopping them next year. I mean, I see this team going undefeated again. I see them, well, not undefeated uh, Uh, because they play Lord Botetot. But that Lord Botetot game is tough. Winning every game but the Lord Botetot game and getting in the playoffs and beating the stuffing out of Region B, and then they'll get in Region A and somebody like Essex or somebody like that will start feeling good about themselves and say, well, we're not scared of Riverheads, and then they'll come up, and then they'll find out they should have been scared of Riverheads because you lost by 30 points, and then Riverheads will play somebody in the state championship game, and they'll blow them off the face of the earth because Galax is losing a lot. Galax is a good team. I don't think this Galax team would lose by this much regularly if they played multiple times, but they're losing a lot, and... They're not going to be their points. Yeah. They're not going to be this good uh, next year. So I just don't see anyone, whether it's Chilawi or Narrows or if Galax has enough to get back to a state championship, I just don't see them being able to hold a candle. So I I would say in all, but the Lord Botetot game and that game might not be a three score game either um, for the wrong end for Riverheads. I, I don't see I, I would say Riverheads is not going to have a close game next year. Unless yeah, they which, keep the I Lord Botetot game close, which I don't think they will. And that's not saying Riverheads isn't good. It's just saying Lord Botetot is a juggernaut at Class 3, and that's a whole other ball game there. I, yeah, I, when, you, when you take the team that's coming off the state championship game against Riverheads, that's obviously the second best team in the state, and the only headline guy that's returning is Ashworth, who had, you know, 11 receptions, 156 yards. That's that's good. But who's getting them the ball? Who's, you know, really pushing the running game? Who's kicking when all 29 of the points that they scored Saturday are by seniors? Um, it, it's it's worrisome, you know, that that they're going to they don't all this talent was there last year. All these guys were the guys we were talking about a year ago. I, I marked off two guys from the notes from a year ago. I mean, they really returned everybody to be back in this game and be, be back this season, be back in this game. But now they lose that talent. So yeah, coach Allen's job gets a lot tougher now. Like he, he walked into a, you know, he, he, I'm not, I'm really not comparing him to coach Fuente. I'm just saying Fuente walked into some, some talent there and some, and some good quality football players and Fuente is taken at the wrong direction. Allen's got to prove that he can, you know, develop young guys and bring them up, which he's been a part of this program. So he knows what that takes in Galax, but you know, it's going to be on his shoulders now to prove it. And we know Coach Dixon can do it. They were, you know, perennial team for 10 years there with him as coach and and won a state title and made it to the state title, uh, I guess, twice. Um, so, or three times, three times. They lost to Clintwood and then they uh, beat Riverheads mm-hmm. and then lost again. So three times. I mean, that's really good. That's, you know, without Riverheads' is history marks that I'm going to touch on here. Three, three state championships in 10 years appearances is great. You know, that's what you want. And that's what every team's hoping for. And I mean, not a lot of teams are doing that. And um, so it's been a great program. And, I, you know, I think now is kind of that fresh start of the program that you know, you're going to see. And you're going to see if Galax can stay at the top or if they drop off. And even dropping off just a touch isn't a terrible thing. It's just then who else is stepping up? And, you know, 
the message boards already start talking about Welchel Howie, you know, they were on that good stretch, but they were young and, and this year and, and they should be back up and, and maybe they are, but Great. they're going to have to be to a higher standard than they were for the two years they made it to the state game. They're going to, they're going to have to ride. They're going to have to be better because they weren't. Can't they wait weren't to watch another 30 point state championship game. Yeah. They weren't as good as what this Galax team was this year. They better Shawa hope that teams. they better hope that game so. gets played in Salem next year, so they don't have to drive all the way to Augusta County to watch their face and teeth get as kicked fun, in. As fun, as fun as an environment. I guess that it would was flip Riverheads. I guess it, they would as probably flip it so Chilawi could host it and host their own murder in their own stadium. Maybe so, but I, I, I think we'll get back to. I think we'll get back to the VHSL was going to make more money uh, with these games in Salem, so they'll they'll have it there. But I think as fun as environment was for the Riverheads fans and it was a home game. There was still restrictions on who could be there. Um, there was still things to work around. I think even just the buildup for the game and the planning for the people involved, I think, I think everybody would be fine with it being back in Salem next year. You know, I don't, I, I don't think Riverheads is going to get used to hosting state championship games. I think, you know, go down to Salem and, and give those players that experience of playing in that bigger stadium. And, and it is kind of that, that bigger deal. I mean, that's why coach Casto doesn't, hasn't really prioritized trying to get in on that JMU um, showcase that they do to play in that big stadium. Cause they're, they're going down to say they're, they're having a somewhat of equivalent um, experience with their state championship games. A lot of times, you know, going to that different stadium, playing on the turf, having the bigger stands, you know, he'd rather trade off to, to have that at the end on the, on the big moment than have that, you know, in the middle of the season, he, he likes to, you know, keep it simple during the season and not really mess things up. So I, I think, even coach Casto would say, I'd rather just play in Salem next year. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sure he would. And you know, yeah. they'll be there. If that's where the state championships play, that's they'll be there and they'll play Chilawi or whatever other school. If it's Chilawi, I mean, just find a good steakhouse <laughs> in Salem and sit there and enjoy the game. You don't need to watch your kid or your friends get just absolutely <laughs> beat to death by riverheads for a third time. What's, What's scary is, I, but they, I mean, look at Narrows. They had a really good year. I don't, I don't know what, I think they had like a senior quarterback and stuff. So Narrows rose up this year. Maybe they stay on a trajectory. Giles is no. coming down, no. um, you know, and Giles has a long history of, of good looking football teams. They're, they've dropped off that mark uh, since then, but uh, maybe they're able to rise back up. So there's teams to talk about. We'll talk about them in the fall and we'll start seeing who, who looks better, but it's, you're going to have to get to a heck of a I'd like to see Riverheads to play level. Appomattox. That's what I'd like to see. That'd be awesome. They used to come and play in the Jamboree at Riverheads, and they play each other, uh, you know, in August, and they were they were competitive. It was kind of on the front side of Appomattox. It's I'd like here. to see it this weekend. Um, <laughs> it'd be fun. It'd be fun. I mean, it'd be it'd be closer than what Riverheads is facing in these playoffs. I mean, they, they beat teams 58 to 14 in the playoffs. This was the best playoff run they've had. I didn't think they could top was it 16 when they ran through everybody and then played Sussex central in the final? I, I thought that was the best playoff run that we could probably see out of them, but this year just absolutely crushed the competition. You know, when the season got its hardest riverheads was playing their best and, and they peaked at the perfect times game seven through 10, they played their best football. I mean, they weren't, they weren't beating the local kids as bad as they beat these playoff teams that are supposed to, you know, be winning their regions and um, playing in the state playoffs. As we've seen these last two weeks, it's just, Riverheads ran right through them. So just I, I, the biggest, I'd say the biggest difference in this game specifically was the turnovers, the, the, the interception, of the end zone, like you said, the fumble. And then the fact that Riverheads had none, that Riverheads just held onto the ball. Uh, that that's just all the momentum stayed on Riverhead side. There was no time 
where Galax had momentum and then two plays later still had the momentum. Every time Galax even had a hint at getting momentum, then there's a kickoff return or there's two plays and a touchdown. Like it's just, it was just Riverheads did so good there. So um, we kind of touched everything or with the Riverheads, everything. I, we gave Galax credit. The history, obviously, we, we we previewed it last week, but now they've done it. The eight overall um, state championships, five in a row. That is a record in VHSL for five in a row. And it's a, it's a hard record to beat because I guess Appomattox has two in a row now, and they're the only one active with consecutive state championships. So, um, you know, no one's going to break it for the next couple of years at least. Well, and Coach Castro will break VHSL, his own record next year, but yeah. Well, Riverheads will break. Yeah, they can extend it. But, um, you know, this isn't an easy record to break. So this is something that really could stand for a long time based on what we've seen out of the VHSL for the last 40 years. So just Riverheads just might be sitting there for a long time. So, um, yeah, I mean, 30, I, I guess it stood out to me today, 34 points in the second quarter. I, I think I knew that when we called the game, but today it just stood out like, they had more points in the second quarter than they needed to win the whole football game. That's, that's just a heck of a little run of points right there. Yeah. Second quarter's where it got. All right. Stewart's draft and Appomattox. We thought that game could be close and it ended up being, but we thought it would be close and maybe in the twenties to give draft a chance, but they had their opportunities, but their defense just did not come up and stop Appomattox. Like we both said that we thought they would. Appomattox scored 48 points. And if you would have told me Appomattox scores 48, I said, then Stuart Straff gets beat by 20, but nope, they had 41 of their own and they had their chances. They had the ball in the fourth quarter with a chance to go down and tie the game. Uh, that was after pooch kicking it, getting off a kid's face mask. And, uh, then they have the possession. So it was an incredibly exciting game. And that draft did a lot of things right. They had Fan and Vance throw a touchdown pass. We thought that was important for them to have him be a threat. He was, and it was successful. They got the running game spread out. Um, Aaron Nice had a touchdown run. We heard from our guys that were calling the game, Bill Piner and, and Chip, they thought Aaron Nice maybe should have gotten the ball more, but they scored 41 points on this Appomattox defense. I think they must have had a pretty good mix of what they were doing and, and things were working. Um, special teams played an incredible role in this game, both sides as, uh, Joel Howard had a kickoff touch, uh, kickoff return touchdown. Uh, but then also Appomattox. I, I thought if Appomattox scored on the special teams, that would mean draft didn't have a chance. No draft responded with, with special teams play of their own and, and overcame mistakes. So I was really impressed that Stewart's draft was able to score in the forties and really be in this ball game. This game was a, kind of the opposite of the Riverheads, where, uh, Riverheads went crazy in the third quarter with 34 points. This was the third quarter. This was after halftime. Both teams, you know, one team scored 20. Appomattox scored 20 and Stewart's draft scored 22. So it just got crazy in the third in the second half later in the ball game. So um, I'm, I'm proud of what Stewart's draft was able to do. I just, I wish they could have gotten over that hump and brought two titles back. Yeah, I wish they could have won too. But uh, Stewart's draft was very much in this game till the very end. Uh, they got a, Appomattox, uh, you will remember this last year, Leland. One of the reasons that last year Appomattox, they ended up putting them away in the end, and the final score was not indicative of that game. But that game could have been over a lot sooner if Appomattox hadn't been doing some things that I guess are just Appomattox things, where 
when the game could be in hand, throw the ball, just run no the reason. clock out. Yeah, you just throw the ball for no reason because they did that, resulted in a turnover. Draft ends up scoring, uh, getting a field goal, and then uh, getting the ball back on a. Uh, and I might be getting the order wrong here on the pooch kick that bounced off a kid's face mask and they got the ball. Um, but draft just couldn't get that touchdown they needed there at the end. And it's frustrating. And you're right. We did hear that um, chip and bill would have preferred to see Aaron nice, get the ball more, but it sounds like they that put they, 41 points on yeah, they put 41 points on the board and it sounds like they spread out the offense for the whole game. And I think that's why they put 41 points on the board because you showed that fan Vance is out there. He can throw the ball. Um, and I think, you know, for, for draft having 370 total yards of offense mm-hmm. on yeah. 70 plays is, is good. It, that's good. The defense, you know, didn't give up all 48 points, but 48 points no. is probably not something draft expected to give up if you would have told just like you said if Appomat you say Appomatic scores 48 you say draft loses by 20 if you tell me draft scores 41 I'm like holy crap they killed Appomatic <laughs> like I didn't I didn't think it was going to be possible for Appomatic to put up 48 points they did uh so you know and again not all on the defense but they they put it up uh some with defensive scores and Big plays. They, yeah, I mean, it, it, that's what I'm looking at these plays. scoring it plays. It was a 60-yard yeah. run, a 44-yard run, a 49-yard pick and – yeah, scoop and score. Um, so uh, a recovered fumble in the end zone. So it, it's just back-breaking plays, 80-yard run by lawing, a 46-yard pass by lawing. So every single one of their touchdowns it looks like here – long distance except for one on a 17-yard pass from Long to Booker. Uh, the rest of these are, you know, categorized in the big play, either huge yardage or a defensive touchdown on a fumble recovered in the end zone. So it, it unfortunately for Stewart's draft, the one big play didn't kill him. It's, you know, five or six big plays that when you total them up, yeah, five or six big plays are going to be hard to overcome, and draft came up just short. Yeah. but. It's yeah, a it's a great two or season. Three big plays kill you. Yeah, yeah. It's been a great. It was a great season for draft. Um, I know it ends just short on your home field, and that's got to be frustrating. And I know those kids are frustrated. And Coach Floyd's frustrated by that probably. But I, I will say this: Stewart's draft team came came into this game with a lot to play for. They gave it all they had, and they came up just short. And you know, losing to an Appomattox team is not some sort of embarrassing uh, loss. It's it's no, not something no. to be ashamed of. And the fact that you kept it as close as you did is impressive. And you had, you were, like you said, you were in the fourth quarter and you had a chance in the dying moments of the game to get into that end zone to tie or maybe go for two and win. Um, if they yeah. could have scored, I would have loved to see what Coach Floyd's decision would have been there. Um, I'm a big proponent of going for two, so I would have loved to see if Coach Floyd would have done that or not. Um, but <laughs> they did it against Riverheads a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Well, they should have. Uh, and he took that chance. He took that. Yeah. I, I think yeah. you, I think you do. If you, if you're in the state championship game and you have a chance to make sure Appomattox doesn't have another chance with the ball, you do it. Um, but it, regardless, you didn't have that opportunity. Um, but Stewart Strath's going to be graduating a lot. It's going to be interesting to see what they can bring back. Not everybody's leaving, but they are graduating a lot. I'm very interested to see how Stewart Strath comes back together for next year. The biggest hole that I'm worried about, and then not saying they're they're doomed, 
but just that that what Joel Howard does for them. Mm-hmm. He, he's able to do a lot of different things, come in the jet motion, get you that speed to the outside, also make those special teams plays, the deep threat. I want to see who they have in that role early next year to, to understand what I'm thinking Stewart's draft is going to do. I think that's an important aspect of their game. As much as we said fan and Vance needed to be on the field this year to give them that, that deep threat, you know, that spread the ball threat out. Well, Joel Howard is who he's going to get the ball to with something like that. You know, that's, that was the other side of it. So fan and Vance will be back. He should, he should be more confident, confident with what he's doing. The coaches had to ha- should have the confidence in him. And uh, you have Aaron nice back. And, and mm-hmm. that's one of the best running backs in our area. Uh, back again. I mean, that's, it's incredible. Um, you have a good kicking game back. So you're just going to have to see what can fill in. I'm not saying Blake Roach and Dustin Fitzgerald are just easily replaceable. I was going to say to me, have, to me, losing them on the defensive side of the ball is the bigger the concern. Side, they're they're exactly good running backs, where I was turning it. but you lose yeah. Fomby, you lose Roach, you lose Fitzgerald. Yep. Those are three anchors of that defense. Last year it was, you lose Casey branch. He's the leader of that defense. Now it's like, Hey, you lose your leader. Watkins and then the next too. two guys up. Yeah. And Watkins. So it's, it's yeah. like you're taking the core of that defense and now, now that's gone. So can they Williams, fill it in? I'm not, I, I, I don't remember what the Williams kid is, but he's really good too. So, um, if he's back, that's a great plus. If he's gone, I just can't remember what year that kid is. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. That's exactly where I was trying. It was the defense. Uh, your, their defense is what we had confidence in in the playoffs and why we thought they'd make it to the state finals because their defense is going to keep these other teams from scoring, and it doesn't really matter what they do on offense. They're going to they're gonna win because their defense is good um, up until the Appomattox game. And then that got – really taken out the window and, and here they were still had a chance to win. So that just shows you just getting yourself in these positions is, is half the battle. And then uh, you can still set yourself up for success. So I think a lot of, I think it's gonna, it's hard just to predict. Yes. Stuart Strafford will be back in a state final next year, but with the, how they responded this year from where they were last year, I, I, I'm not ruling it out. I'm not ruling it out at all. On the other side, and this is where the Appomattox love's going to come. They got a lot coming back. They got the Lawling kid back. They got Penix back. They got Walker back. All those kids scored touchdowns. They got the Irvis David kid back, who is really good on special teams. The only reason he's not talked about more is because Tez Booker was the man on special teams. He That's really the big name that they're losing is that Tez Booker kid. And all those other names I said have impact on both sides of the football. So, this is also an Appomattox team that just reloads. And as much as we give Riverheads that credit of you kind of don't worry about losing the guys, even though you're losing a, a, a Zach Smiley, that's an all time leading rusher for Riverheads. You just expect Riverheads to kind of reload. You know, they, you know, Harrison Schaefer was a really good running back. Riverheads reloaded. Logan Moore was a really good running back. Riverheads reloaded. Like you just expect that Appomattox to give that same kind of credit to when you win five of six state championships, they're reloading. And so I would, if I had to bet on one of these teams being in state final next year, I'd bet on Appomattox and no disrespect to George Draft, but just seeing the big names that are going to be back for that team that had a huge impact in this game, but all season as well. It's just hard. It's hard to imagine someone knocking them out sooner, but two years ago, we saw it. They got knocked out before uh, they got knocked out in the region final. I think mm-hmm. it wasn't even the state semi, but they, they weren't in the state final the other year when, when Graham won it. So 
it's possible, but it's just hard to imagine at this point. I will say if you're if you're comparing Appomattox and Riverheads, who who has the better shot at making the state final there? I'm putting probably putting on Riverheads, but that's more saying something to the competition than I am I about say, these lead teams. Yeah. So, class two is gonna throw some shots at Appomattox. You're gonna get Graham, you're gonna get Radford, you're gonna get teams down that way union uh you know those teams if they get any better than they were this year that's a threat to appomattox and and then there's Stuart Strap. you know if Stuart Strap can kind of put themselves back in this position you know it can can they ride Aaron nice more and uh, you know fill those holes in on offense on the running backs see what they can do so i i wouldn't have thought it i really wouldn't have predicted them be back in the state final this year just knowing who they lost with, especially when Will Jones uh, transferred mm-hmm. with their quarterback gone with the um, Casey branch gone. Like I just wouldn't have just assumed it. And here they were. So I'm going to say it. I'm not assuming it again, but when they, if they wind up there, I'm not going to sit here with my jaw open. I'm just going to be, wow, coach Floyd's doing a great job. And I think he's building a great program there and uh, we'll, we'll see what they're able to do. I think coach Floyd's building a great program there too. I, I do have, concerns on if draft can get back there and again it's just the yep. amount of people they're losing on defense and how crucial they are to them i, I just need to see yep. uh, unlike riverheads where i know they're going to be back there and as you said part of that's just the competition they're going to play in class one class one doesn't have anything yep. for them they're going to cruise through that no problems draft class two is tougher region b is going to be tougher Strasburg was young this year they lose some players but they were a fairly young team so Strasburg's going to bring some back and region b is going to have some other teams that are usually does better pop back up. Yeah. Does he, you would think uh, that's gotta yeah. be an, an, uh, you know, an anomaly, not something that's, you know, going to be the future of East rock Luray sports has been solid for a while. Right now. Luray does lose some lose. I think yeah. their quarterback they finally, finally graduates. Yeah. Well, in Holloway and yeah, I mean that they had that core that was young and good and they yeah. finally lose that. But so maybe not Luray, but East rock, I would think will be better. Strasburg will be better. Uh, Clark is a team that was kind of down this year. That's usually better. So yeah, you'll see they what they do. Yep. Um, but talking about Appomattox. Yeah. I, I do think Appomattox wins another state championship next year. And I don't know. It, it's going to depend on that other half of the bracket. I think that's going to stop them. It's not going to be region a, and it's, I don't think it's going to be region B. It's going to be a team in C or D if they can hop up there and beat them. I don't, don't know if, if they can yeah. do that. The other thing that I thought was nice for Appomattox, um, and if you're a draft fan thinking I'm giving Appomattox a lot of credit, this is a little bit on the different different trail here, but they had Coach Smith on the iPad after the game, all FaceTiming with players, uh, at least able to join in on the celebration in some form or fashion. They had the iPad part of the team picture um, with him you know, FaceTiming in. So um, uh, a story that has not been great all year with him battling cancer and doing everything he does. It's nice to hear about these positive things of, of, you know, them, them playing for him and then being successful, um, him being back at home and then, and then him, you know, technology allowing a way for him to be a part of this. And, and that's, that's a nice side of the story. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure Stuart Strap fans are, are looking for nice things, uh, to say about Appomattox, but that definitely is. And I think we can all respect that and, uh, well wishes to him as, uh, he's going to try to keep on getting better from what he's been through and with another ring on his finger. Cause, uh, you know, he's, he's built such a great program down there that, you know, he was spent time away from it and still they found a way to be successful. And that's just a, a really good indication. You're doing the right things as a head coach and, and a leader of that program. So, all right, let's talk about the overall VHSL results. Uh, you got me this year and that's, that's fine. 
Uh, Lafayette beat Lord Botetot. I think we both were probably pulling for Lord Botetot, just knowing that they had been there a couple times and fail. And they're, and they're a good team. Uh, the Rams beat them. That was their second state championship, uh, finished season undefeated. Uh, that's the third time Lord Botetot has been denied of the final victory there. Yeah, they're approaching Buffalo Bills territory there. <laughs> well, maybe they'll get back in there next year after a, a good challenge from Riverheads early in the season. Uh, class four, Salem and Lake Taylor. This is where we differed in our picks. Uh, you took Salem like a like a old school veteran. because You saw your team lose to him in the past is probably what weighs in on it. Uh, but Salem does win their 10th state title, an undefeated season. Uh, they hadn't won one since their three-peat from 15 to 17, so not that long ago. And, uh, you know, Lake Taylor was looking for the repeat championship, and so they got denied there. So Salem, now 10-time state champion here in Virginia. Yeah, that's, you know, again, like we talk about with Riverheads and stuff like that. I mean, Salem is really good. And so, you know, when you see that some of these teams that – they haven't been able to, you know, have the dominance in terms of consecutive years like Riverheads has, but 10 state titles, um, they're, they're really, really good. A lot of those years, um, they're just, they're in games where they kind of thump teams. And so this was a close one for them. They got it together. They got back to kind of Salem football and won a state championship. And they do that kind of in a similar way. Now they pass more than Riverheads traditionally does. Um, when they have, you know, a solid quarterback, but there are, there are years where they line up. I mean, one year that they won one, I think it was in 17. I don't remember them being a passing team that year. I remember them being a little more of a running team and they would just line up and say, um, all right, we're just going to run the ball down your throat. And, um, they did it most years. So it, the, they execute well, they've done it through multiple coaches now, which means it's kind of a program pedigree kind of thing where like Riverheads there, everybody on that field knows their job and they're going to do it better than everybody else more times than not. And so that's why Salem wins state titles all the time. It's why, you know, when I asked Matt Hatfield, I was like, you know, it's been, you know, 2017 isn't that long, but as a long time for Salem to not have a state championship are, are people starting to get a little restless there? Because I just know uh, I've got family that, you know, live, Close by in Pulaski County, that's Salem's chief rival down there. It's yeah, actually where Galax's coach yeah. went. Yeah, so um, they hate Salem, and they they hate Salem for a <laughs> lot of the reasons that people hate Riverheads up here. It's just they're tired of seeing them win all the time, and they want to be able to beat them. So Salem is really good. That's why I picked them. I'm glad they won. Good. Um, if my family hears this, I'm not a Salem fan. I was just a Salem fan for that game because I picked them. Moving on to class five, Stonebridge beats Highland Springs 13 to 10 in overtime. So an absolute epic game. The Bulldogs finally get over Highland Springs. It's the fourth time they faced each other in that state final. First time that they've been able to get the victory over Highland Springs. It is their second title. Uh, they won one back in 07 and then now winning this year in an undefeated season. The game winning catch by Stonebridge was on SportsCenter, and it was the number one play on SportsCenter. And it was a one-handed, absolute grab out there. And so that was cool to see. It was cool to see some VHSL on ESPN. And uh, that's, you know, that's a rivalry that's been built there. And and 
that was cool to see the other team get it. They, they avoid Buffalo Bill status, as, as you would say. And Stonebridge brings home their second title, finally knocking off Highland Springs. Yeah, I don't know if they can be Buffalo Bill status. I mean, they did win one in 2007. Now they're one in seven. Not a great record. Um, but now they're two and seven in uh, or two and two and six, maybe. Uh, yeah, two and six in state championships. And this is a big win. Um, I did see the catch. I thought it was an amazing catch. Um, yeah. Obviously, to even, you know, to win a state championship on that play makes it even better. Um, I, I will say part of me didn't want it to be on SportsCenter's top 10 just because I saw people on Twitter being like, this has to be on SportsCenter top 10 or it's a crime or whatever. And I was like, really? It's a crime? Okay, I want now I want ESPN to not put it on there <laughs> just because you said that. So... That's very Joe-esque of you right there. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I guess I didn't catch the hype up to it. I just saw that it happened on, on SportsCenter. So I, I took it a different way. But, yeah, you, you always, when people demand uh, respect or demand uh, top billing, you, you're always the first to try to go against that if, if there's room for that. So that makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, Highland Springs going down. That doesn't happen often. I mean, they've won. They had won four in a row uh, up until – uh, last year they didn't win it either, but before that there was four in a row. So they're no no stranger to the state final, a stranger to losing it, and so mm-hmm. they they go down. Yeah. Class six, Oscar Smith. This was the only other blowout that we had. They put sixty two on South County. That that game was a thirteen, a fourteen thirteen game mm-hmm. last year with South County winning. And Oscar Smith just comes out and blows them out the doors, putting 62 points on the board. And they uh, get their third title. That's their third in eight appearances. They won in 08 and 11. And now uh, this year. And uh, yeah, Oscar Smith, no stranger to success. You know, being in the state final eight times, uh, you know, they're always there. But they have lost more than they've won. So it was it was good for them to get that victory. And, and they just blew them out the doors. Yeah. Um, that. For South County, I think you and I thought Oscar Smith would win because it was such a close yeah. game last year. I think we were surprised when we saw the score. But, um, yeah, yeah I, Oscar Smith is just – and, again, for people who don't know, like when you're watching college football on Saturday and it's like, oh, cool, that kid's from Virginia and they're from the Tidewater area, you it's Oscar, Oscar Smith. Smith. <laughs> like, yeah, they went to Oscar Smith. So – um, it, it's a really, really great program in class six and it's always them and a team from Northern Virginia. It seems like playing, whether it's South County or a Westfield or somebody like that playing in the state championship. So, uh, South County won it last year. They don't win it this year. Oscar Smith gets it back. It's their first state title since, uh, 2011. So yeah, nine years is quite a gap there for Oscar Smith, but they, they get back and win. They'd one. lost some in that stretch. Yeah. Yeah. They'd lost some in that stretch. You're right. But for them to win it is, is good. And, uh, hats off to the Tigers. So that was the only rematch that got flipped. There was three rematches in the VHSL state championship Saturday. That was the only one that flipped South County had beat Oscar Smith last year, but Appomattox Riverheads, they go ahead and win, uh, their consecutive, championships against their uh you know newfound rivals i guess is, is what you call them so uh yeah it was a fun football season so weird so weird this whole season being played in from the winter into the spring um I, the temperatures honestly down the stretch i i kept thinking oh it's gonna get warmer and warmer we, we just got some of these cold weekends these last few weekends but it kind of got made up for this last saturday i mean it was just 
a perfect day for any outdoor sport. And uh, it was, I, I'm sure it was as good an environment at, at Stewart's Draft. But just from what we experienced, the crowd involvement, and, you know, I think people seeking things that are more regular and, and normal. And uh, it just kind of all came together right there. And um, it, it was just a, it was a big day. And, and that's, I, I just felt like that's what high school football is about. And I think for a little bit, you ignore what put us into this situation and uh, you just got to celebrate these kids playing the, playing the game. So it was fun. It was fun. Um, I'm ready for it to be normal. Uh, and, and, yep. and by that, I mean, Football's in the fall. State championships are at neutral sites. Um, hopefully, Everything in the world is good enough for it to be. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> things keep improving. More vaccinations yeah. keep happening. New cases keep going down. Deaths keep going down. Um, and, and it allows that in the fall here in a couple, I guess, really in a couple months in August. but um, Or a few months in August. But, yeah, it was nice. And it was different to have state championships local. Um, but I, I like when we have two teams playing, I like being able to call both. So selfishly, I hope it's at a neutral yeah. site so we can. Yeah, do so definitely, definitely selfish. Uh, I, I did not like there being a state game with one of our local teams and me not calling it. Definitely, definitely didn't like that. No, no offense to Chip and Bill. They did a great job. They did. Uh, handling mm-hmm. everything over there. And, and, and uh, but I just, I always like being a part of it one way or another. And uh, luckily we've, you know, I've been on, in the same seat for all of these state championships for, for Wilson, for Riverheads, uh, for Stanton and, uh, last year for draft, not this year for draft. And, uh, so it's, it's been a good opportunity and yeah, I want to get back to where that's can be normal. So moving forward to college football, the other local football that was happening this weekend, they played North Dakota and they won on Sunday evening, 34 to 21. Uh, the Johnson quarterback seems to have rebounded from a, lackluster performance against VMI and he's, he had 251 yards and two touchdowns Dukes move on to face Sam Houston there. It's not the state of Sam Houston anymore, apparently. And that's been corrected on Twitter multiple times, but Sam Houston will host the Dukes Saturday at two 30 on ABC. That's a national semi. This is where river or Riverheads <laughs> JMU's ranking uh, or seeding in these playoffs. This is where it finally kind of affects them here where they'll have to go on the road and everybody thought they should be a one or two seed. They weren't, they were a three seed. And so now they do go on the road in the semifinal, but Hey, GMU Duke fans, when they won it, the last time they won the national championship, they had to go on the road on the semifinal to do that. And so there's an opportunity business trip time, go down to Texas and then get ready to stay in Texas or go right back. I don't know. I don't know how they handle that. So, uh, see what you get. Yeah, they do graduate this weekend, I think. Or no, it is next weekend, so they'll probably have to come back I imagine for finals. Home. I imagine you got to plan a return trip. I guess you, you can't. Got finals, you, you know, can't stay down there. Go one flight. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, point of contention, Sam Houston. Uh, athletics want to be called Sam Houston, but the university is Sam Houston State University. Like, figure it out. What do you want to do? Half their logos have SHSU in it. Like, figure it out. Pick one. And go with it. I, I'm. We, I don't we have were time. Referencing the, just to, listeners, just accept the reference. But before we started recording, there was the you know who it is uh, reference as as DJs come into yeah. new rap songs, and Sam Houston is just making it harder on all of us. You know. Yeah, you know who it is. It's Sam Houston. Sam Houston is. 
but now you're mixing up your names between your academic and your athletic side and all Listen. just just pick one and we'll we're reference you as that we'll we'll call you what you want you get to pick your name but you got to have one. Yeah, listen, if you don't play better against JMU this time than you do usually when you play JMU, <laughs> Sam Houston is going to want you to take his name off the university too. So <laughs> it must be state. Yeah, just be state university. <laughs> and, and you better have, you'd be happy to have that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I don't have a lot of faith in Sam Houston coming back. I watched a little bit of uh, the fourth so quarter. Yeah, it was hard to get into. The game was Sunday, and here's the bad news. Like, there wasn't a lot going on Sunday for me. (laughs) I just didn't. I just couldn't get in. Um, There was only one hockey game, which sucked. The NASCAR race apparently was exciting. I missed that. You know what I did Sunday? I ended up watching. Kansas. I can cut that in vain on. Well, apparently we missed a lot of great restarts at the end. Um, But. Okay. Well, the race was less than a, I think it was like a half second difference oh, between wow. first That's, and second. I mean, yeah, Mr. Okay. Don't um, be boring for the last decade and maybe I'll be yeah, here Yeah, no, I so. hear you. I hear you. I didn't watch it either. Um, but uh, yeah, Sunday was just catching up on shows for me. So, and, and watching some new shows that maybe will appear in future uh uh, dominating my lives. So, um, <laughs> one probably will next week. Oh, actually, well, maybe it depends on what else happens in another sport. Um, but for JMU, I think they'll take care of business against Sam Houston. I think it's a question of if they play South Dakota state or Delaware in the championship as Delaware is in the final four on the other side. So, Maybe it'll be a CAA championship and a national championship all in one in the national championship game in Frisco. Maybe it'll be South Dakota State and the Jackrabbits who have looked like a really great team this year. Uh, maybe they'll play. And, and Delaware's Delaware's coach is the guy that was at Richmond, right? Mm, I don't I'm think pretty so. Pretty sure it is. Let me look. I thought it was. I thought that's where. I he thought went. he went to William and Mary. I do not think that. I think that storyline, if if true, uh, big if true, uh, you know, he's recruited it a lot of not. these same kids, you know. Oh, wait a minute. When from? you say former Richmond coach, you mean the guy who actually just left Richmond. I was thinking Mike London. You're right. It's Danny Rocco. He coached at Richmond. But I was thinking Mike okay. London. Yeah, my fault. My I fault. would I associate London's coaching, previous coaching career before you know when he was a police officer and then UVA's head coach like that's that's my line with Mike London I don't I don't think of him at Richmond as much I but think anyway, he won a national Rocco championship there, at Richmond but okay he he recruited a lot of those same kids and he, he that are on JMU now like I mean they're going after the same players being a CEA coach down here and so it will be interesting the familiarity Signetti is a little bit different there but they would have history coaching against Signetti at Elon as well as um you know what he's been able to do at JMU so far. So there'd be a lot of familiarity with uh, with that game if that's able to happen. But the South Dakota with that would just be you know fresh fresh matchup and that could be fun. So, but I don't care. Uh, that's the thing. That's where I was getting to. I got off track. My wife's into it. She's like once you know the game starts at whatever time it started seven. We got to be watching. It. I was like okay two thirty this I weekend. Just I just don't. I just it's not appointment viewing for me. I'll I'll if if it works out, if I'm not on the mower, I'll be, I'll watch it. 
2.30. I can't remember if it's Saturday or Sunday, but it's at 2.30. I think it's Saturday. It's Saturday for what I saw today, but last week I swear I read. Oh, no, ESPN it said Sunday 3. all the way. Yeah. No, it's it's so, so it's Sunday it is. all the way, but the TV said ESPN3 on whatever I saw, and it was just a bad tweet, I guess, or someone had a typo. But mm-hmm. So depending if I read typos, uh, it's Saturday at 2.30. So let's get out of the A block. And get to this B block. Well, Michael Phillip, Michael Phillips will tell us all things Washington football team and particularly about the draft. All right. Next on the Yak Sports podcast, we have Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times Dispatch's third trip onto the Yak Sports podcast. Michael, thanks for coming on with us. Well, third third trip through the rotation. That's when pitchers start to figure out the hitters. So uh, we'll see if I can uh, see if I can hit these out of the park anyway. We'll we'll see if we can try to slide one by you here. But I think <laughs> fairly easy enough questions. We're talking draft and uh, having you on to talk Washington football team like usual. I I want to hear your general thoughts on the draft for the for the football team. Yeah, I, I think they had positions of need and they addressed those, and they addressed those with quality players who were available when they picked. I think that's a winning formula, you know, and they they took players that, you know, are tough to project, which is a lot of guys this year because of the pandemic, because of how everything shook down. Uh, but, you know, they they did not reach with any of their picks. So, you know, sometimes you have to do that to, to get the guys you want at the positions you want, uh, but, but they had quality players available at the positions they wanted four appropriate uh, spots you know the one time you'd say they forced it would probably be round two going offensive line there with Samuel Cosme uh again though they needed a, they needed an offensive lineman and he was a quality one who was available uh of course there were lots of folks who, who you know had other guys ranked ahead of Jamin Davis uh but but there's no d- disputing his talent uh, his ability lifted him into the first round there. Uh, lack of a quarterback, of course, is something we'll address, uh, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, in terms of the actual selections they made and, and what they meant, uh, I think I think they got good value for their picks and filled the positions in need. It's all you can hope for. So are you disappointed that they didn't address quarterback in this draft or, or were you satisfied uh, with the approach, knowing knowing the value of the guys that were available when they got to pick it, or, or were you thinking they might trade up for something? Yeah, I think I would have graded them poorly if they had traded up into the positions where those guys got taken in the end. Gotcha. Trey Lance, Trey Lance at three, you're not trading up to three. Uh, you know, you're just not doing it. Uh, Mac Jones, I, I think that the consensus is probably, uh, you know, his his ceiling is Kirk Cousins, and I don't think you should draft guys whose ceiling is Kirk Cousins in the first round. I, you know, I, I don't think I would have liked them trading up for that one. Uh, and then Fields, of course, undeniably athletic. But look at what the Giants got for him. I, I don't think Washington was prepared to give up future first-round selections, and I, I think they were correct to stand pat. So when when you say that I, I tend to agree with you that where they were, it didn't make a lot of sense and they didn't trade up, which I thought was important because with, with the football team, while the defense was elite, that offense was pretty bad and it was more than just quarterback. That was kind of a problem. So um, I wanted to get your take on this though. So do you think, you know, Aaron Rodgers is unhappy that rumors out there. Do you see the, the Washington football team making a move there or do you see them just, riding with Ryan Fitzpatrick for for a year 
Well, I'll say this. You'd be crazy not to pick up the phone because it's Aaron Rodgers. Same same with Russell Wilson when those rumors came out. Like, hey, it doesn't even matter if there's any smoke there. You, you make that phone call. You say, hey, look, don't deal this guy without talking to us first because we're going to be players in this sweepstakes. That said, it, it just seems exceptionally unlikely uh, players like that ever get dealt. We, we, you know, and, and there were the Deshaun Watson rumors, obviously, at the start of the year. It's just not something that happens all that often. You got to be on the phone. You got to be exploring that idea. Uh, but I, I think in general, you've got to make peace with this is a Ryan Fitzpatrick here. You would love for Heineke or Allen to show you something. You would love for them to, to kind of break out and give you enough to say, okay, this is a guy we could roll behind for a couple of years. Uh, if they don't, we're right back here next year. Uh, to me, the great mystery is that uh, we know Rivera liked Fields. If they hadn't made the playoffs this year, if they were a 5-11 and 11 team, if they had been sitting there at number 10 with him on the board, I'm curious if they would have taken him. I think they probably would have. One of the players that I kept seeing get called out uh, from the draft board from the football team was – uh, Brown from North Carolina, the wide receiver. I, I think a lot of people thought that was a, a pretty good value there. Uh, he was a receiver that I, I think some had at some point in mock drafts, kind of a second round, maybe late second round guy. And, and the football team got him there uh, with their second pick in the third round. I, I'm excited about what he can do for the football team uh, and add to that receiver core. Oh, no question. Yeah, great value there. And that's, you know, if you're going strictly by need in that spot, you're probably taking a running back, you know, for being honest on, on what the exact need was. But when you got a player like that, you take him. And certainly there's Terry McLaurin style upside here where you, you grab a guy who slid into the third round and, and hope that he turns into something great. Uh, I think that it was a great selection for the spot you know when you get a guy who can slide down the board uh, at, at a position where you can always use more talent you know you think about the guys who came through this year and, and now you get you know cam sims gets pushed this year isaiah Wright gets pushed this year uh you, you've certainly got samuel mcclure his starters that's a quality depth room you saw they made a couple transactions today getting rid of some of those down the roster guys Building depth is how you win. Uh, and you referenced playmakers earlier. Shoot, you bring in a Ryan Fitzpatrick, you better give him some playmakers. You know, that that's how yeah. this dude operates. You're going to op want to open up the field for him. I, I'd say, you know, I'm still circling running back I, as, as a position where, you know, you, you maybe wish they had one more guy. An Antonio Gibson injury would be fairly crippling to that unit right now, the way it's currently structured. Uh, but there's certainly still time for that. And I, I think you gave Ryan Fitzpatrick enough weapons to not hold him back. Uh, so this has the potential to be a really fun offense. So looking around the rest of the division for uh, Washington fans and what happened at other teams, Dallas, a lot of defensive picks, which makes sense considering their defense was a train wreck last year. <laughs> the Giants did not get offensive line. Eagles... Uh, they went wide receiver, which is a need they had, but just a draft. I don't know. Um, the Eagles are so hard to predict. I don't know how you feel about them because they're a team that's had playoff success recently, but last year they were so bad. And I, I, I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. Honestly, that's a team that seems to be ride or die on their quarterback position this year. And I, I would not have faith in that position. So in terms of Washington fans and seeing how the draft played out for the other divisional teams, who would you? How would you rank Washington in terms of the rest of the division? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's tough to put your finger on what the Eagles are because the Eagles don't know what they are. I, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm not forecasting great things ahead for them. That's wild. If, if I was to score them across the division, 
I'd probably go Giants one, Washington two, Dallas three, and then take a gap to the Eagles at four. But I, I think the top three can all claim wins out of this. I just I love turning picks into lots more picks down the line, which is what the Giants did in the first round. Uh, I think they come out of that looking good. Uh, you know, being able to to get a first rounder next year from a team that is not going to be projected to make the playoffs, uh, you know, which, which makes that pick even more valuable in a lot of ways. You know, that's in the same way the Dolphins got that Houston pick. You know, if you if you can get a first rounder, it's going to really become something. That's how you jumpstart your team right there. And then Dallas going defense. You, you're looking at them trying to make that Kansas City Chiefs transition where they were knocking on the door, knocking on the door. And, and you know, Patrick Mahomes was so good, but the defense couldn't stop Tom Brady. They, they really doubled down their efforts on that. Finally got over the hump, finally won the Super Bowl. I, I don't think Dallas is going to the Super Bowl or anything, but I, I think getting a quality defense behind Dak is only going to increase their chances of having a winning record this year. I think Washington gets better. I think it's fair to project a, a step forward for them. And like I mentioned, I don't know what the Eagles are. The Eagles don't know what the Eagles are. Rough time to be an Eagles fan. All right, so looking kind of league-wide, because you, you already hit on kind of what your outlook for the division was this year and saying Washington gets better. Let's, let's look league-wide uh, back at the draft. You know, the quarterbacks were the talk of the drafts coming into it, and, and then it lived up with the top three picks being quarterbacks, um, kind of as expected, and then having fields go. And then, and then there was New England not even having to move to get Mac Jones. They just sat there and waited for him and – they continue to be the smartest in the room. Um, what, what was your view kind of league-wide with the draft and the highlights and, and uh, of, of what happened league-wide there? Man, I love Jacksonville coming back at 25 and getting the Clippers and running back Travis City. And I, I think that was just a tremendous way to eat. It, teams are so scared to take a first-round running back right now, deservedly so. The numbers say don't do it. But because they already had Lawrence, they had the freedom to do it. Look, you talk to guys down at Clemson, they'll tell you – this was actually the best player on the team, not not Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, Lawrence was always going to go number one, but they got a tremendous talent coming back to already have the chemistry, a, a college-style coach in Urban Meyer. I think they got a lot better. I'm scared of the New England pick, you know. I and, and you know I, I certainly oh, okay. not, not not trading up was a win for them. But you remember a couple of years ago, what was the discussion around that Washington pick? So lucky that Dwayne Haskins fell to them at 17, you know, so great that didn't have to give up any draft capital to get him. Look, guys don't accidentally slide to 15 in the NFL. That means 14 other teams kicked the tires on this guy and decided he was not worth the draft pick. I don't know. I, I he never bet against Bill Belichick. He's Bill Belichick for a reason. Uh, but, but, Guys don't accidentally slide that far, especially a guy like Mac Jones, who has that great college pedigree he had. I think there's a reason he slid that far. I don't think he's going to be the great play people think he is. So let me ask you, out of these five quarterbacks taken in the first 15, who do you think is best set up for success when we're looking back at this draft class when it's all said and done? Uh, that's a great question. I, I think Justin Fields ends up in an interesting spot in Chicago where it's a team that, you know, probably should have been a lot better than they were for the last few years. So, so you know, maybe the keys are already in the ignition there, but I, I, I don't know that they have a plan or have a cohesive strategy or anything. So you'd always rather end up in a, a functional, well-run 
perennial winner franchise, which, which is you know, your Mac Jones situation. I think Trevor Lawrence just has all the talk. You're talking to scouts, you say, hey, is there anything to it? Is Zach Wilson as good as him? And they say, no, absolutely not. You know, I, I know that was the buzz for a few minutes. They say, no, th- this is the guy. This is absolutely the guy. But Fields is the one I'm watching because it, it feels like the Bears aren't a terrible team. They just happen to lose every year. I don't, I don't know. What the, it's a tough one to make sense of for sure. Uh, but that's a very, very intriguing situation to watch. Yeah, I, I, in my opinion on that, I, I just straight disagree with you, uh, which is endless force, is, is um, um, Mac Jones going to New England. I, I, I think highly of him. I, I don't know if I believe the hype of him going to San Francisco at three. I don't think I ever really bought into that. That's why they traded up was to get him. He was around, you know, 15 or, or even further down the board when these initial – um, mock drafts came out right after the season and and so him being at 15 I don't feel like he really slid to that I just think he is that and and knowing with what that organization continually does with guys that are you know kicked out of other teams that people don't want them anymore or you know sometimes the behavior guys they 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 make the most out of these guys and get the most out of these players I I really think he's kind of sitting in the best spot myself I mean you'd like to think Jacksonville can it's always hard to take the position in an argument where you argue against the New England Patriots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough position to occupy. You know, it's in the last few years, they've had trouble trading with teams because teams assume that if they trade with the Patriots, yeah. they, whatever guy the Patriots want is probably good enough that they're going to get fleeced to look embarrassed. So they're just hesitant to do it at all. Like if the Patriots <laughs> want a guy, shoot, we shouldn't even trade him to them. We don't even know we have. Uh, yeah. yeah I, mean, uh, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to disagree with, Leland a little bit. I, I don't hate the Mac Jones pick for New England, but I will say, like, when you say they got all these problem childs and or problem children and all this, but some we we saw a little bit last year, like maybe some of that was Tom Brady. Like yeah, maybe, maybe it's so. not the New England way or whatever, and maybe it's Tom Brady. And there's a lot of misses that New England has, and we don't talk about them because you know we want to talk about all the hits and oh here we go again with New England, like. We said the same thing when they got Cam Newton. Like, oh, wow, I can't believe the league let the Patriots get Cam Newton. Okay, well, that didn't work. So, uh, Mac Jones, I, I think the question with Mac Jones is, can he do it when he doesn't have the next, you know, the four best players on the field with him? Like Two, two Heisman quality receivers. And, uh, and a Heisman back, back quality. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. That, that's the question that remains to be seen with Mac Jones. But I, I, I think... I agree with Michael that I think Justin Fields probably has the best upside of the quarterbacks in the draft and could potentially be the best. So I was very uh, interested in hearing him say that. Um, my concern there would be the Bears coach. I think the Bears coach is why they keep losing. I mean, <laughs> it's the Bears way. Yeah. It's the Patriots way. It's the Bears way. Yeah. So, but I want to talk to you about some of the, you know, local side of the draft with Virginia Tech players being drafted. Uh, Far- Farley goes to the Titans. Darisaw goes to the Vikings back-to-back. And then it was the third round where you saw Diablo drafted to the Raiders and Khalil Herbert not getting drafted until the sixth round of the Bears. Uh, UVA, n- nobody drafted, but they had three undrafted free agents. Virginia Tech, also two undrafted free agents. What did you make of the draft in terms of the local you know, college teams there in Virginia Tech and UVA and the people who were picked up? 
Yeah, I didn't list the Vikings in my winners, but I think the Vikings are a winner. You know, everybody always says like, "Oh, we had a, we had a higher grade on this guy," but I believe the Vikings when they say they were going to take Derisaw, traded down, and still got Derisaw. That, that's a win right there when you could turn your pick into more picks and still get your guy. Look, talking to Derisaw before the draft. The, the comp that kept coming up in my mind is Brandon Sheriff, just in terms of mm. work ethic, putting his nose down and being just strong as all get out. I, I think he'll fit in very well there. I, I think he was an excellent pickup for the Vikings. So I, I think there's a lot to like there. Farley was a fascinating case. I heard on draft morning from somebody who said, we're, we're kicking the tires again on Farley in case he's available on day two. They just got the sense that there was going to be wow. this massive slide from Farley. In the end, that stops with Tennessee. I, I think back issues is probably your key word there. Look, everybody loves the talent. Everybody loves uh, the size, the speed, the strength. And holding out was not held against him. I think five of the first 12 picks were guys who didn't play in 2020. It clearly was not an important factor to the scouts this year just because of the weirdness of the year. And, and so same with Farley. I don't think that was held against him. I think back issues, man. I you know, even, even outside of football, you see somebody's got a jacked up back. That's not something you just go to the doctor fix. It's not an ACL thing even where you fix it up and he's good to go within a couple of years. That's the potential for a lingering injury. I think he was red flagged on some boards. I am, you know, you're always rooting for the local kids. I'm, I'm hoping for the best for him. I'm hoping he puts that behind him, shows he's a great value in the pros. Uh, and then Herbert, too, you're, you're always rooting for an all-purpose guy. You know, those are fun guys. He, he set the tech record for all-purpose yards. Hope he gets some opportunities to make some plays, get him in space, get him on special teams. Uh, guys like that are just fun to watch, so I'm rooting for them. Uh, I'm curious what UVA's long-term prognosis is on NFL guys, because obviously Broncos got them humming a little bit. I think they've had a couple winning seasons, chance to get higher star recruits. I do wonder if that's, if under Bronco, they're ever going to be a program that spits out four or five NFL guys a year. It doesn't seem to be exactly who they are with his mentality. So I want to ask you with Khalil Herbert, because he didn't go to the sixth round. He was one of the best backs that played this year, in my opinion, um, in the country. And I was kind of surprised to see him drop all the way to the sixth round. Do you think, you know, you said not playing didn't hurt Farley, but do you think the amount that Herbert was used at Virginia Tech, at Kansas even, uh, hurt him in the draft because NFL teams see a lot of wear and tear on him? I think that's a really astute question. I think, you know, I, I, I haven't asked anybody <laughs> I haven't asked anybody specifically about that, but running backs, man, you, you get a little bit of wear and tear on those tires. That, that's not viewed as a good thing. I think you're absolutely right about that. Um, I, I would be very curious if teams view that as a potential negative instead of a positive, the, the numbers that he put up. All right. So the schedule comes out May 12th and uh, I know you'll, you'll have, you're, you're going to follow up on this draft, and I'm sure when the schedule comes out, you're going to have some articles on that. But to get you out of here, we always like to ask, you know, what are you binge watching? What, what outside of sports, what, what's entertaining you that our listeners need to know about? And uh, whether it's a TV show on Netflix or, or even just a standard TV show, uh, what have you been watching or what are you looking forward to seeing? Yeah, man, I'm, I'm up for all three hours of that schedule schedule release show. I love the schedule release. You know, go, go ahead. I'm that, I'm that guy. But it's just it's fun to look at and see the matchups and see everything that's going to happen. And uh, 17 games this year. We've got even more to break down, and, and hopefully they're all relevant and we're not uh, slogging to the finish line. 
man, I'm thinking back to some of those three and 13 Mike Shanahan years. Like, I can't imagine adding another week to that misery. Like, nobody, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll shame myself here. I, I'm very late to the game. I just saw Ted Lasso recently, but man, was that, that was, that was an excellent television program. I don't know if you guys have seen, I think everybody's seen that now. I, I think I was literally that, the best person. Hey, Mr. Guy with three kids over here has not seen that yet. So, I, say, uh, I haven't seen, seen it yet either. Not the last one. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet either. I need to, but I haven't, yeah. We, we've had high school football uh, going on in our lives, so that, that might be what's holding us up. Man, oh Highland Springs the other day. Oh, what a what a heartbreaker. Yeah, they, they've won they've won plenty. That that's uh, I don't feel like it's so bad for them. <laughs> yeah, when you've won what four or five. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, I'll buy that. That's well, great. Well, Michael, it was great having you on here, and uh, we look forward to having you on again. And uh, it'll be I'm sure in the fall we'll get you, and uh, once the season gets going, or maybe preview in the season. Uh, since you know all things Washington football team, we'll be glad to have you, but thanks for coming on today. I'll be looking forward to it. Thanks, guys. All right, back here in the D block. Uh, Michael Phillips was a great guest there talking about the Washington football team. I'm Leland McRae with the astute Joe Deck to talk about the D block where we talk about ourselves. And what is dominating our lives? I'll go first. That Kentucky Derby happened this weekend. And, you know, I'm definitely a swoop in horse racing fan. And my interest in the Kentucky Derby is standard. You know, unless it's a pandemic year and they race it second or third or in September. or I don't even know when they ran it last year, but I'm sure I watched it. But every other year I watch Kentucky Derby because then I got to know which horse I'm watching for in the rest of the Triple Crown. And this year it's going to be Medina Spirit. And we had some guests over Saturday evening. All the kids had a horse. All the adults picked a horse. And so we were screaming at the TV. And it was a lot of fun. And I, it just reminded me, I love that horse racing exists for this swoop-in ability. Like, you don't really have to watch a lot of horse racing to still get a good enjoyment out of the Kentucky Derby. To watch it a half an hour before they race watch it happen in two minutes and then until they go to the next thing that's on NBC, uh, (laughs) watch it out and then you're done and you don't have to think about it again for two more weeks when they race the Preakness. Like it's just an easy sport to swoop in on and it's always a good time. The atmosphere around it at the track always seems so much fun, but even, I mean, there's been years where I've been in restaurants and all of a sudden for those two minutes, you get everybody in the restaurant looking at the bar TV, screaming and yelling and it's completely uh, okay. And everybody's into it. And, um, People are celebrating and, and, and for nothing. No, you know, no one's put, putting money on it in the restaurant. You know, they're just, I guess the horse, right. They, and they take out, uh, maybe back then they weren't now, now, nowadays, maybe you are with the technology, but you know, my kids were just super pumped that they're racing for the horse. And my, my oldest is picking a horse based on what color the, um, wrap on the horse is there. She likes teal. So she was rooting for the teal horse. You know, it's just, it's fun like that. And it's nice to have, it's, it's, it reminds me of how awesome sport sports are that you can get these communal kind of things happening, but also that horse racing is just lends itself to so, so easy to just pick it up day of and leave it. It's just as quick. And I'll tell you what, if Medina spirit doesn't win at the Preakness, I won't care anything about the Belmont stakes. Cause all oh, my interest clown. is that triple crown. Nope. Clown. Yeah, it um, is. 
the Kentucky Derby is great. And unlike you, I've never been in a restaurant during the Kentucky Derby. I can't imagine I not I twice being. Twice it was an Applebee's. I can't imagine <laughs> not having, like, I know when the Kentucky Derby is. I know where I'm going to be during the Kentucky Derby. Oh. It's on a couch watching it. And uh, depending on who I'm with watching it, depends on, you know, whether there's an adult beverage around or not. Um, but watching the reason we went to the restaurant we go to is knowing there was tvs there like we 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 were there no no it's a sit down i usually sit this year was different this year i got sat down in front of the tv with like 30 ish minutes before post time usually i'm there hours before post time i'm watching some of the lead-up races I'm watching all the coverage I can, hearing about these horses. And then our family used to, just between each other, put a dollar on your horse. If Uh, nobody wins, it carries over to the next one. Um, And uh, then... So you're rooting for your horse or nobody's. Yeah, exactly. So (laughs) then... That's awesome. Then uh, this year, again, a little different because, you know, Saturday was work day this year. High school um, football day. Yeah, so, but had some people over. We sat down. We watched the Kentucky Derby. I had multiple bets to win. I had some exactas, some trifectas. Didn't hit on those, but I did. And here's the here's the part that when I saw it, I was like, I should have just trusted myself. First bet was Medina Spirit at 12 to 1. And I was like, I should have just went with it. But I still made money. Um Overall in the Derby. (laughs) So, and honestly, when I saw that and I was like, man, this is the, this is like the best Bob Baffert odds horse. And it's 12 to one. That's so weird. He's so good at this. I was like, I'm just going to put $2 on and see what happens. And, uh, Bob Baffert's a great trainer. He's now won more Kentucky Derbies than any other trainer in the history of the Derby with seven. Uh, and, He's not done. I mean, really, it'll just like he'll quit like when he wants. Years, isn't it? Yeah, he'll quit when he wants. And I did laugh when he's like, you know, it's great to win because you never know if you'll be back for another one. And I'm like, I just laughed. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, like no one's going to hire Bob Baffert to be their trainer. OK, um, so he he ends up winning again as as a trainer. And look, it it is the most dominating trainer in the history of the sport. He's great at it. And uh, it's it's exciting. Like you said, the Kentucky Derby every year is is an exciting thing uh, for me and for my brother and my mom. And this year was the rare year um, as well as the year before, uh, I guess, when they ran it in the fall. But uh, where we didn't get together and that's just because I had a radio thing um, and then. My mom, of all people, was not thinking about it being the first Saturday in May when she planned her trip. I think she was, because of the days the trip started in April, she was like, oh, it's April. It's the week before the Derby, but Saturday was May 1st, and so she was freaking out. But I know she got to a TV and saw it. Um, so usually we're all together watching it, and it's exciting, and... I love it. I'll watch the Preakness in two weeks, and regardless of how the Preakness turns out, I'll watch the Belmont. Um, so I get into it for those three races. I, I'm not really um, – I don't watch a lot of Breeders' Cup or anything like that, but I'll, yeah. I'll watch oh. – I've been to Charlestown. That's fine. Um, 
but I'd really love to go to a Kentucky Derby someday. Uh, so maybe I'll, you know, strike it rich and be able to go one day, but, or just, you know, become best friends with Aaron Rodgers if he gets traded to the Washington football team. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> All right. So what is dominating your life? I've been putting this off for a few weeks because I had to talk about hockey and soccer. Um, so we dropped one of them. I'll go ahead and build the suspense here for people. But um, what is dominating my life has been Mortal Kombat. I finally got to the movie the weekend it came out. I'm just now getting to it on the podcast. And let me tell you, unlike Kong versus Godzilla, which was a train wreck in a minefield during a tire fire, this movie I liked. I liked Mortal Kombat. Um, and part of it was probably because I had saw the original because I hadn't seen it before. So I was like, oh, I should probably watch this. So it was on Peacock. I watched it. It's okay. This one told a little more of a story. It wasn't the traditional, like, oh, they're in a tournament and they're fighting. There was like a backstory going on. And the backstory wasn't terrible. I kind of liked the backstory. And it, I appreciated the movie. Definitely not for little kids. There are some very, very, very violent scenes. Um, but if you're looking just for a dumb action movie and you don't mind a little bit of violence, and by a little bit, I mean a lot bit, um, then sure, watch Mortal Kombat. It's pretty I, – I enjoyed it. It It's not going to win an Oscar, but it's uh, <laughs> – no, really, it, it wasn't it's bad. I look forward to the Maybe sequel. Special effects? Come on. <laughs> now, I will say this. If you watch the original, because the original is also not terrible. I, I enjoyed the original okay. Not terrible. That's the new Joe standard. Um, gotcha. Do not watch the <laughs> sequel to that, though, which is called, it's on HBO Max, called Mortal Kombat Annihilation. If you lose a bet, that would be a great bet. I didn't make it past 10 minutes. I watched 10 minutes. And oh like I was like, you know what? No. And I stopped. And I very rarely start a movie and don't finish it. So for me, like 10 yeah. minutes, I was like, I can't do this. I can see the cue cards, but I I could <laughs> tell there were cue cards just off camera that the per, the people are reading. The, the acting is awful. It, it's just so out of place. It's so weird. It was a bad movie. That's a great bet to make. If it's like, you know what, we don't want to bet money, but we want the loser to, you know, have some kind of punishment. Suffer. You have yeah. to watch Mortal Kombat <laughs> Annihilation, start to finish. <laughs> yeah, no no desire. I'm not not going to turn this one on. All right. Um, go ahead and get this. Get your, you know, educate us on something. Tell us something we need to know. Yeah, so what I know that you need to know is the European Super League damage is not done. Manchester United versus Liverpool was supposed to be Sunday. I thought that's what was going to be dominating my life this week. But the Manchester United fans broke into the stadium and stormed the field. Uh, so that caused the match to be delayed. They could not get the stadium secure, so they ended up not playing on Sunday. The big deal here is that fans are protesting the owners, the Glazers. They've never really liked them, uh, and there's a lot of this reasons isn't for Jay that. Glazer, Fox Sports is uh, right you know, as he as he tried to tell Jay everyone Glazer. on Twitter, um, which I thought was <laughs> hilarious. 
when I saw yes. it. But <laughs> the Glazer family is the owner of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They uh, ended up buying the team, and when they bought it, they bought they leveraged it with debt. Not great. Um, and Manchester United fans haven't won a championship since they have taken over. They haven't won a Premier League since they've taken over. They hate that. Um, they have lost their former glory, and they have kind of they've done silent protests in the past, uh, where the team's colors are red and gold, but now they've made it you know green and gold in a silent protest, which um was something I had learned uh, this week, but. The dangerous part was, you know, the violence in the protests where they're fighting with security to get in and they're fighting with police and disrupting the game. But the overall bigger point here is that they're not happy with their owners and they want them to sell the team. And it's kind of gotten to a point where the fans felt the only way for the owners to feel the uh feel the effect because the silent protest and you know the signs and the chanting and the singing during matches you know they want the glazers out um wasn't working so the only thing they felt would make an impact is take this biggest spectacle for the premier league and and what is maybe the greatest rivalry in the premier league with manchester united and liverpool and stop it keep it from happening so the other reason that's a big deal is Manchester United, despite not being successful on the on the pitch as much as they have been, they're a huge global brand. They have more global deals than almost any soccer club in the world, and maybe they are the biggest in any soccer club in the world. But this is a big deal for sponsors when they see fans storming the pitch and preventing matches from being played. That's a bad look for sponsors. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in terms of sponsors and if the Glazers sell, what's going to happen the next Manchester United match at home at Old Trafford? Um, so it, it's a big deal over there in England. And again, it just kind of, I'm not going to say I like seeing matches being postponed and fans storming the field and fighting security and police. I'm not going to say that. But it, it's just different than when uh, European fans are unhappy with their owners versus American fans. Oriole fans don't like Peter Angelos. Peter Angelos ain't going anywhere. And Oriole fans aren't going to do anything to make him go anywhere. So it's just it's just interesting to me to see what the fallout is here. Again, Liverpool wants some Liverpool fans want the Fenway group to sell their team. Arsenal fans want their owner to sell their team. Um for Manchester United and Arsenal, it was kind of a bigger scream even before the Super League, and now it's just kind of all come into a head. Um, Liverpool, I think the Fenway sports group will survive because the coach and the players still support the ownership group. So I, I don't think they're going to go anywhere, but notably silent are the owners and the coaches of Manchester United and Arsenal. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with those two clubs. All right. I'm going to stick with soccer surprisingly, but Love I'm going to go to the soccer. I care about Virginia tech soccer. They scored a golden goal in the last minute of the game that they could have in overtime. It was Jacob Labovitz second header of the game. And he sends the Hokies forward in the tournament. And it was just a huge victory that 
senior forward there, putting it in, taking the Hokies to the next round. They'll play Seton Hall on Thursday night at nine o'clock down in Cary, North Carolina. But that was awesome. I I wasn't aware of it as it was happening. It was, I guess, late Sunday afternoon, early evening. And uh, but then all of a sudden my Twitter lit up and that's the good thing about Hokie Twitter is something happens with the Hokies. It's it'll it'll make sure you don't miss it very long. And uh, I caught up to it and that was awesome. And uh, I know we we checked in with Rob Stenzel, make sure his heart rate was still okay with uh, with Kyle's team down there um, winning a big one, I guess, on the other side of the country. And so now they get to play at least on this side of the U.S. for the next round game. But, you know, that that was a big time offense that they held to one goal through, uh, you know, regulation and overtimes. And then they got the win. So that's that's awesome. It's their fourth Sweet 16 in five years. So that program's really performing well. And so that's that's a good time to be a Hokie soccer fan. Yeah, it's great that they were able to pull off that win and advance deeper into the tournament. I was looking. I know JMU was in it, but the fact that they're not tweeting about it, I'm guessing they didn't win. Um, so, but it's great to see Virginia Tech advance, uh, and hopefully their soccer team finds a way to beat Seton Hall. It's going to be a tough matchup, but um, you know, I, I I'll be honest. I didn't watch it either, um, so I I don't have a lot for this. JMU lost two to one just like yesterday. So, well. Okay. They just fell to UCF, but yeah, good for, for good for Virginia tech. And, uh, hopefully, yeah, I don't know anything about Seton hall. I wouldn't expect that there's some soccer powerhouse. So I guess I'll get proven wrong or proven right. Again, this is going to be another one of those things. I I wish you hadn't said that because now part of me wants them to lose, but who do you want to lose? UCF? No. Because you said, well, Seton Hall's not some powerhouse or blah, blah, blah. Like, kind of like the... I don't expect them to be. Kind of like the, if this doesn't make it on Twitter, it's a crime. Like, now I'm going to be like, well, you know what? Now I kind of want... I would just say, I don't know enough about this to know if Virginia Tech's going to be able to win or not. They're this deep into the tournament. I think it's what? The Sweet 16? Elite 8? Something like that? I don't know. I don't even know where we are in the soccer tournament. And I do, you know, obviously with Kyle being on the team, I want him to win, but I haven't followed that closely. It just hasn't been on my radar. So uh, with hockey going on, and I haven't watched. There's too much going on right now. There is. Everything being thrown in in high school sports going on, I just don't have time. And so I have to pick what I'm going to watch. And unfortunately, this has not been one of those things. So it's harder for me to keep up. So I, we know that. I, I said that it was what I said. Oh, so I didn't know that. I must that. not have listened. That happens sometimes mm-hmm. to both of us. <laughs> I was less astute in that moment. <laughs> we got... I don't need to know who's in it. I really don't care. Virginia Tech's in it. That's all I no, care about. I'm not about. going through everything. I'm trying to go through, like, where where was Seton Hall's ranking? That kind of thing. Oh, I don't know. They're the sixth seed. So they're a higher seed than Virginia Tech. Okay. But they're a 9-1-3 and three team. And we're 6-6-3. Six, six, and three. And we didn't, have, we didn't have the greatest regular season. Like, we, we, we aren't at the top 
but at least we're winning when it matters. So we'll take it. We played a good Oregon State team. We beat them. We move on. We play at Cary, North Carolina against Seton Hall Thursday night at 9, and that's when we can catch up and know everything Virginia Tech soccer at that point. We'll be Thursday go. night at 9? Yeah. I don't know. You can't get mad at that. When they play, when people play games during the day, you hate it. So you, you're going to have to accept 9 o'clock at night. Yeah, I know. I'm not saying Thursday at 9, like, boo the time. I'm just saying there's going to be other stuff going on. Again, hockey tonight was a big night for hockey. I ended up making a little bit less than I wanted, thanks to some Canadians who are apparently supposed to be really good and maybe a Stanley Cup team in Toronto. You chose not to talk about hockey when the time was allotted to you, so you don't get it now. Well, get actually, I get here. to close it out so I can do whatever I want here. But, um, <laughs> yeah, for a team that's going to allegedly win the Stanley Cup, the Toronto Maple Leafs will win the Stanley Cup if they cancel the playoffs. More on that next week, though. If you enjoyed this episode of the Yak Sports Podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at Yak Sports Pod, Facebook, Yak Sports Pod, or you can email us, yaksportspod at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought of topics on this week's episodes, things you agree with, disagree with. Let us know and interact with us. You can also subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, so you'll never miss another episode. Tell your friends, now that the spring seasons are coming up, it'll be baseball, soccer, and softball that we'll probably focus on. But if there's another spring sport here locally you want us to make sure that we're catching be sure to tell us and comment, and Leland and I will do our best to follow up with that sport as well each week here on the Yak Sports Podcast. Until then, hope you enjoyed this episode and have a great week. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.